Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. So I'm excited again today as we continue to talk about how he makes all things new. He makes all things new. And have you ever, have you ever been in a conversation and you know someone is kind of around the door, down the stairs, wherever they might be, trying to listen in to the conversation you're having? It, it could be a kid, or maybe you were the kid, right? I don't know. Um, but have you, ever, have you ever had someone that was eavesdropping? Have you ever experienced that? And I just want to throw this up. This is uh, what Google calls eavesdrop, right? Secretly listening to a conversation. Right. She opened the window just enough to eavesdrop on the conversation outside. So the synonyms are what? To spy, to intrude. Thanks, Google. Google defined eavesdrop. And that's what you get. And so I think about so many times, um, I've been guilty of it. I'll be honest. Like sometimes I'll be leaving my parents' house and I know I just had a really rough conversation, like one of those tough conversations that I left and, and I have to go down the stairs to go out the garage to my car and I'll be down the stairs just with the door closed enough to see if I can hear in the kitchen what they're still saying. What did they really think about how that went? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm guilty as charged. And, and sometimes, you know, our office, we've got three, uh, three offices in a row and sometimes the doors are just partially closed and I'm like, man, that staff meeting, oh, I hope it went okay. Did it go okay? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the restroom, but I'm gonna walk slowly by the door, you know? So I, I'm guilty as charged. My daughter is especially... My, my oldest child, uh, Eliana, she's really, really good at eavesdropping. I, I hate to even say really good because she's one of those that will ask a question. And I've got other, other family members as well that do this. And you probably do as well. They ask a question as they walk into a conversation they're not a part of. And you're like, I'm not going to stop to explain something. You don't know the person. You don't know the situation. Like, no, just keep on moving. Just keep on. That's Ellie to, in a nutshell right there. And, I, and I, I love her. I bless her heart. But today, I think so many times we, we even epitomize this word here spiritually. We get half the story. We listen in without the full context. We even hear maybe what God's plans are for our life, but we don't see the big picture. And we may have a couple of details and we're not even sure who they are sometimes or how that's going to work out. But I think that even spiritually, we try to work these things out or eavesdrop, so to speak, in on what God is doing and try to understand it when he just wants us to trust and surrender, to simply obey. And, and I know that for me, we can overhear half the conversation of what God is wanting to do in our lives, but we'll never have the full context. And this is all part of the process of how he is making all things new. You know, I want to share just a little bit of my personal story you know, my life was radically transformed as a teenager. I was 14, and God had me flat on my back for a week right after I had really just sold out to God. Um, it, it had been in January where I just was all in. Something had happened to me. I had been a part of an experience, and when I came home, um, I knew something had happened. I didn't know what. I didn't go to an altar. I, I was just a part of a service. Something had happened, though, and when I got home, I realized I was different. I had made some choices even subconsciously. Does that make sense? And, and when I got to my room, I remember opening my Bible. And, and mind you, I'd grown up in Christian school. And so when I had all the sparky and cubby patches from Awanas up here at Berean, I mean, I, like, I was all in in those types of settings. 
But I was in that situation of where I was trying to decide who was I really going to serve, myself, the Lord, my friends, peer pressures. And I, I opened up Matthew, and I just began to read the Scripture. And for the first time, I wasn't memorizing the Bible to get something. God's Word was speaking to me. It was life. It was revelation. And I knew God was speaking to me. And I just began bawling as a 14-year-old because I knew, I knew it was Him, and I knew it was real, and it, I knew it was what I wanted. But it, it was no longer my parents. It was, it was becoming my faith. It was becoming my relationship with the Lord. And to fast forward just a couple of months later, in the month of March of that same year, 1997, the Lord had me flat on my back sick the week before spring break. And I remember being there, and and each day that week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there was another incident that the Lord was setting me up to put the heart of missions inside of me. And I remember the first day I was watching a man on the 700 Club as my mom would keep that on the television as as I was there. And um, yeah, 700 Club, right? (laughs) Zay's homeschooled. (laughs) And so, and so, amen. So are my kids, right? But, but there I was, and there was this man who was going into Sudan uh, and Chad both and working in these countries. And literally there was, they were talking about the helicopters and the violence and how they were going in during uh, just some of the, 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 the civil wars that they were experiencing and genocide. And, and they had an opportunity to share the gospel in a powerful way. On a normal day when Michael was sick, I would have just waited until, uh, what was it, Price is Right comes on and, and minded my own, you know, that wouldn't have affected me. But God was setting me up. This was something that he was doing. It was divine. And that was the beginning of the seeds that he would put in me. Now, I say all that because we eavesdrop, right? We try to figure out where God's headed with what he's doing in our lives. And for me, I tried to understand and even extrapolate what I thought he wanted me to do when it came to regarding missions. So I did your typical things, right? I went on mission trips. I went to uh, South America for my first trip. I went to Ecuador and worked with some folks, and we went into some of the areas that, that weren't being reached, uh, that weren't being touched, and they were planning churches, and, and it was exciting. And, and I fell in love with not only missions, but I fell in love with a culture. I fell in love with just with, with being able to share where, it, where Christ wasn't known before. Have you ever been in that situation before? And for me, I still began to pray through, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So I came home, kind of like a typical teenage, uh, teenager would after an experience like that, and hated this culture, joined a Spanish church, found a cute girl who spoke Spanish, <laughs> was around her Honduran family a lot. So it was, it was one of those things that I was all in, but I was still trying to understand. I was still trying to eavesdrop on what God was doing, and I didn't know the, the full picture. And I wrestled with the Lord. Can I be honest with you? I felt like God, after a few different trips, back to Mexico, went to Japan, had been to Germany, Poland, just worked in some different areas, I felt like God was calling me to a specific area. He was putting it in my heart, and I didn't know why, because I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to work in this specific area. I didn't want to work among those people. I wasn't drawn to that. I wasn't passionate about it. And then I began, I was like, God, what are you doing? I don't want to do this. And I finally scheduled a trip to go to one of those countries that I felt like the Lord was sending me to. And I had it all lined up, and at the last minute, it fell through. And I was like, God, I, I made it all the way to the altar. The knife was raised. I was ready to go. And the Lord wanted to know, would, would I say yes? Would I be obedient? Now, that's not everybody's story. This is just mine. I can only share with you my story. But I think sometimes we hear from the Lord and we wrestle and we interpret it and we try to walk it out the best we know how. 
But I'll be honest, sometimes in the adolescence of our faith, we are running ahead of the Lord. And he wants to still know if we'll be obedient, but we don't have to understand where the next 10 steps are going to come from. Does that make sense? But I think we all want to know that because we want to be in control and we want to know that we're even doing the right thing. We can even justify it in the sight of God saying, God, I want to make sure I'm following you. But for me, that wasn't my story. I tried to understand what he was wanting to do and it it wasn't exactly what he had in mind. I want to read a passage to you as we talk about how he makes all things new. So if you brought your Bible, we're going to springboard out of Ezekiel 36. So this is right before the river of God, right? Or I'm sorry, the dry bones, the valley of dry bones. And and he's talking to um, Israel here about how he's going to make them clean. And this is such a really uh, cool passage on how he makes all things new. Would you follow along with me? Starting in verse 25, Ezekiel 36, verse 25. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And this is the verse I really want you to capture. 26, I will give you what? A new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I don't think sometimes we always have the heart of stone or we don't have his spirit, but I do think we sometimes try to interpret things on our own. And I think that the here, this, this transaction that is happening is literally from an old covenant to a new covenant where God was not uh, you know, within us, now he will be, and we will be empowered to follow him where we couldn't before. I mean, that's the whole difference in the gospel. Jesus did what we couldn't, he fulfilled it, and now we have his Holy Spirit so that we can, through that grace, as, as Paul writes to To Timothy, he says, the grace that empowers you to say no to ungodliness. Grace isn't just, woo, let's go. No, it actually allows us, it empowers us to be able to to live the life that God has called us to. And here, Ezekiel is trying to capture what that new covenant is gonna look like. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I'll remove that heart of stone. Going on to verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then, and only then, will you live in a land that I said I'd give your ancestors. You're going to be my people, and I will be your God. Let me go back to that real quick, because this is where we see this from the very beginning, and I mentioned it last week about God's redemptive plan, is to take us back to what our original design and purpose was last week, that what he created us for in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and before the fall in 3 that was what he intended for us to walk with him in in fellowship and to, and to have that communion with him and that we would be his people and he would be our God. And here's the restoration of that. And we see that it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen through Christ. And I'm gonna skip to verse 32, if you'll allow me to do that, if I can see it here. Verse 32, he says, I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. And he goes on. This is important. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. Resettled and rebuilt. Moving on in verse 34. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, and this is really cool, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden, the restoration of the beginning. Do you hear that? Isn't that awesome? 
this land, what God is doing in us, because what was physical in the Old Testament is spiritual for us under, under the new covenant of Christ. There is no, the promised land is what God is walking us into in the spirit realm of the promises that he has for us, that we would be empowered by his spirit, that we would bear, that we would literally have the produce, the fruit of what his spirit wants to do in us. And he says, this is gonna be the restoration of what it was from the beginning. The cities that were lying in ruins, what's gonna happen? The desolate and destroyed ones, now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you, and this is really neat, then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. The Lord has spoken, and I will do it. Ezekiel is reminding God's people about his plan to restore that original plan since the garden. But it's greater than just that. It's greater than just the the old covenant of where appeasement for sin was necessary to be repeated. Instead, God is taking his covenant to a whole new level. He is getting literally to the heart of the matter, to my heart and to your heart. As he is making all things new, he says that I will give you a new heart. Let's go back to that. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. This is so good. He says, I will take away that heart of stone and replace it with a soft heart. And I remember, do you remember last week when I talked about how oftentimes we try to fix ourselves? We try to kind of create this new heart in our own strength. And I don't know about you, I've tried to produce the fruit of the spirit in the flesh and it stinks. It really does. It's full of maggots. That fruit is, is, is bitter to the people around me. I mean, the patience I squeeze out in the flesh that is not produced by God's spirit, it, it's short-lived. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's short-lived. I know, I, I know that's what I should have. Uh, right now, I should be kind, David. I should be, I don't want to be. I'm going to say something. Out. I think they need to hear it. It's the truth. You know, we all do it. Come on, we do it. Thank you for my therapy session with you guys this morning. But squeezing out fruit of the spirit in the flesh will never produce what God intended in our lives because it's not born of him. The same way that I don't think all the self-help books that are out there, as great as they are, and all the counselors you could go to, if it's not rooted and grounded in the work of what Jesus has done, it too will be short-lived and won't bring us to the fullness of what he has created us for. End of story. End of story. There is only so much we can patch up on our own before it falls back apart and put it back together and it'll fall back apart if it's not gelled together by the life and blood of Jesus. Amen. And so I, that becomes, for me, when we do that, it becomes this, this almost image of self-redemption. I create my own idol, so to speak, of the gospel. Hey, the good news is, is I can do it. Oh, but we can't. And we get in the cycle of trying to fix it and failing and fix it and failing and fix it and failing. Have you been there with me before? Yeah, yeah me too. But in verse 33 and 36, I love it. He says that he is going to cleanse us and resettle us. Cleanse us, resettle us, and rebuild us. And I love what he says in verse 36. Let me throw this up there again. He says, then, then the nations around you will know. Then the nations will know. When you can, because this is my testimony. I told you guys when the enemy comes like last week and, and just kind of sabotages, like, man, that's not real. God hasn't done anything in your life. You're just kind of putting on the boat. I go back to, no, I remember the sins I was, I was trapped in and I wanted out and I couldn't change it. And then Jesus set me free. Like, that's what I go back to because 
I know I couldn't do it, and then he did it. So I go back to that, and this is what the, the scripture says, then the nations will know. When, when you no longer are trying to fumble through this failure, fix it, failure, fix it cycle, but you've let the Lord rebuild and restore you, then the nations will know. It will be a declaration to the people around us that this God is the one who rebuilds and repairs. This is the true redeemer. As you remember when we were talking about the voice, Elijah there on, on the mount, kind of having this, this showdown with the, with the prophets there of Baal. And, and, and it's literally, what is their response when his God appears? This is Yahweh. That, this must be the one who is to be worshiped. And when they see redemption in our lives, it should be an echo of that same thing. This is the one who rebuilds and restores. This is the one. Look what he has done. And God says, I'll do it. I'll do it. Regardless of where you find yourself today, I believe this is what he wants to do in us. And God does things in such a way that no one else can take credit for it. This is pivotal. God will do things in our lives in such a way that you can't get credit, that your mama can't get credit, that, uh, you know, Uncle Sam with the tax return can't get credit because he is working all things out to make all things new. He is the only one that can truly redeem. And so he is going to set it up in such a way that no one else can get credit for it. This is what I love about what Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, I'm going to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I'm going to use a man hanging on a cross to redeem the world. I'm going to establish a kingdom through death. What? That isn't what we expected. That is, we thought you were bringing a sword, not a towel. Jesus, you came to the wrong sport. This isn't it. You got the wrong equipment and gear. But he says, you will be empowered to be my children in this world. And you will show the world that guess what? You can't do it, but I can. Let me show off through you. Let me show off through you what no one else could have fathomed could happen. And I believe that's what he wants to do. I believe that he wants to confound the world by using his people and only he can get glory. This is why we are earthen vessels holding something that seems so sacred. You have Christ in you. This is our hope of glory. The hope for the world is that Christ can be in you. And here it is in these earthen vessels so that only he could get credit for it. Isn't that powerful? And so God's work will speak for itself. It will speak through our lives and it will speak to those around us. And all will know that God has rebuilt. I don't know if you're needing God to rebuild, if you're needing God to plant, if you're needing God to speak and give some clarity right now, he will do it. He says he will do it. And if you're needing this right now, I know I have areas that I'm needing assurance of what God wants my family to walk into right now. We're in so many different transitions, just like you are. And we're saying, God, would you just bring clarity? Would you show us where you're rebuilding, where we're not manufacturing? God, we want to make sure that we're a part of what you're doing, not just what we think you're a part of doing. But sometimes the Lord, when he cleanses, he needs to change our scenery. Remember where it says that he would rebuild, but he would also resettle? Sometimes you have to change your scenery. Don't miss this real quick. I think there's a couple people in this room. God's trying to change your scenery. In order to rebuild, repair, and restore you, you got to get out of where you've been. I don't know if it's some friends. I don't know if it's a church. I don't know what the relationships were, but God is trying to redeem and restore you, but he's got to resettle you in this process. That's the scripture. And oftentimes it takes us to move from one place to another so that internally he can move us from one place to another. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
That was for somebody. I don't know who it was. We're going to take up another offering here in a minute. Just kidding. And last week, we celebrated with folks through baptism, and maybe you yourself have experienced God in a personal and powerful way. And I love what this verse says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new life is here. This is such a common verse that we quote when, it's, uh, when we're talking about our, our testimony. And, and here it is a little bit larger, not so swanky, but there it is. If, if therefore anyone is in Christ, we're a new creation. He's making all things new. The old is gone. The new is here. I love this verse, but this verse doesn't tell the rest of the story. I don't know about you, but some days I don't feel so new. And I, and I love that, that even after I came to Jesus and, and I experienced his nearness and his word was real to me, that everything old being gone, sometimes I feel like it tries to creep its ugly head back up in my life. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. Thank you. Harry, we'll, we'll have lunch today. <laughs> you're buying you're buying no I'm just kidding <laughs> but but as I shared with a fellow pastor this week I said man it's it was after Christ that I found some really tough times it was after Jesus that I found I stumbled into some addictions can I be honest with you it was after I fell in love with Jesus that I still had some issues of being selfish and some anger to crucify. There was some self that was still trying to rear its ugly head. But wait a minute, I thought I was a new creator. You are. And this is what I love about the gospel, that there is this already, but not yet. Have you ever heard someone kind of relate to their relationship with Jesus like this? Like, I was saved. I am saved. I will one day be saved. Like, and, and I think that's, a, that's our journey. That's our journey. And I, and I just want to... I just want to give you some fresh air this morning. All right. I want you to breathe a little lighter. I want you to be able, your lungs to be able to expand a little more and take some pressure off nice. of yourself and performing for Jesus. Because I have been in the vicious cycle of, but I thought I was a new career. Oh man, are you kidding? Man, now I'm struggling with that. Where did this come from? Man, I, I got to have this conversation with my wife. Oh, wow, this is uncomfortable. And because we're being sanctified, because there's more of us to die so that more of him can shine. Amen. He's not finished with you yet. And I don't know what's gotten you from here to where you're at now. And, and we try to see it in a line, but sometimes it's a circle. And, and it doesn't always make sense when he's making all things new, but he's not finished. So give yourself some grace to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Give yourself some time to heal because what happened to you was real and you're hurt. Give yourself some time to say, God, I still love you, but man, your people really hurt me. Be honest with yourself and be honest with him. He wants to take you from where you're at now and complete it to the very end, but it's not gonna be until the day that he returns that we see him in his fullness. Amen? Give yourself some grace in this process because it is just that. It is the dirty word journey, right? We're in a process and he's not finished. He is still transforming us. He is still making all things new. And so listen to this. In Hebrews, and this is where I want us to kind of, I want to give you some theological framework for an idea that not everyone espouses to. I'll just be honest, but, but I do, so you're going to get it. And so Hebrews 2, chapter 2, verse 8. And while you're flipping there, just will somebody like ruffle some pages for me? Because I need to take another drink here. All right, thanks. 
Crystal, thanks for joining me. Ah, that iced coffee, so good. Hebrews 2, he's talking about how he has made, um, okay, so he's, he's kind of putting Christ in picture of where the angels were and all, and just in the timeless ages of where he will reign. And here's what he says, and I love this. He says, putting everything in subjection under his feet, speaking of Jesus. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. And this is where I want us to get to this, this last part. At present though, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You just said you put everything in subjection under his feet, but yet at this point, we don't yet. So, so which is it? Is everything submitted to Christ or is it not? Yes, <laughs> yes. Christ is king. Christ reigns supreme. There is no force greater than him within this world. But yet things are still being made subjection to him daily within us, within this, the heirs that be, within the world we, we operate in. This is that already not yet tension. And then the next verse, this is what I want you to look at. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. This was voluntary. This is his incarnation. Namely, Jesus, who's now been crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. He is crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone else. I recognize that I'm a new creation. I cling to the work that God has done in me by his grace, but I also recognize that the work he started in me, it isn't finished. He's not done with you yet. It isn't finished, but he is faithful. Philippians 1 says, he is faithful to complete what he started. You have been redeemed. You have been restored in right relationship with him. You are being restored. He is putting back some crappy pieces of things that have happened in your life and my life too. And some things that we continue to go through. Let's just be honest. Like it doesn't all become a bed of roses from here, but he is in this journey with us. He has not left us alone to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but no, he promises to be with us. He is the good shepherd. He is our great redeemer who has made all things new, who is making all things new, who will one day in the fullness of time make all things new. This is his kingdom in us. And I hope this brings you some freedom. And there's, again, so many verses that we read and we're like, I think this will, I think this will help you breathe a little better. The idea that God has done something, but I'm, I'm currently experiencing the results of what he's done but that something isn't complete yet. Look at 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. We are this, but we're not operating in our fullness yet. And it doesn't mean we stop where we're at. Do you, do you get that? It doesn't mean we stop where we're at. It just means we, we can lessen the discouragement that we sometimes heap on ourselves in condemnation and shame and guilt and all those vicious cycles that our flesh and the world likes to manipulate us into. But no, we are his children. Rest in that. You're a child of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we, we know that when Christ appears, we're going to be like him and we're going to see him as he is. I love that verse. And God is addressing the brokenness in this world. He's bringing about a new day. And as people who have been rescued from sin and death by the love and mercy of God, we take seriously our call to join him in his ongoing work. 
we have an opportunity to be creation bears with him. You know the power of life and death is in your tongue. You have the ability to speak things into other people's life. I pray that you will go out of here and you'll begin to create life, that you'll begin to um, let redemption flow through you as well. Because the blood of Jesus is not only gonna flow through you, watch how it goes into other people's lives. Situations at work. Man, somebody, there's things that you could walk into and literally begin to diffuse things because you can create life. You have that ability because of what Christ has done. And he will do it in such a way that who gets the credit? In such a way that only he can. Because we know ourselves. We know we're these earthen vessels. But he's not finished in making all things new. Bruce, are you going to be here for a few more minutes? Can you play the piano for me? I had in my notes right here, the piano man. That's you, Bruce. That's you today. I didn't want to throw Zay off and and say, you know, come play something snazzy. And he'd give you a double take. I use snazzy this week. Bruce, just play. uh, Would you play, you'll come to the altar? That'd be great. So today, I want to, I wanna, again, I want you to be able to breathe a little bit better. And I want you to, to walk in the fullness of what God has done for you. Not walking in the shadows of what someone has tried to cripple you and make you out to be. Because I don't think you're defined by your failures, but I think you're defined by his victory. And I want you to begin to walk in the fullness of that. You're not defined today by what you did yesterday. You're defined by what he did over 2,000 years ago and from the beginning, what he created you for. And that was to be in his presence, to know God and to enjoy him forever and to fill the earth with his glory because only he's gonna get the credit. He wants to use you to do that. So today I want you to find freedom. I want you to find freedom that What God has begun, he's gonna be faithful to complete it. That he will see it through, he will not let you down. That all you have to do is you yield and he'll wield, right? You surrender, he will empower and use you. Give yourself liberty to fail, but to fail forward. I wanna read this last verse in closing. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. For me, this is the difference. This is the difference in someone who knows the Lord and someone who doesn't when they fall. We get back up again, right? I'm not gonna sing the the troll song, get back up again, even though it's a good one. But that's the difference. Christ in you helps you dust yourself off, get back up again and just keep on walking. But I'm gonna fall again, but just get back up seven times. Just get back up and keep on walking because he is making all things new. He is making all things new. Just get back up. And when you begin to look beside you, man, you've, your knee's kind of dusty too. You've been down there, haven't you? What's, what happened there? What happened on your arm? You see the scars of everyone else around you because everyone else who's still headed this way, they have fallen too, but they get back up. The righteous fall seven times, but they get back up and we don't do it alone. We do it in community with God's people because this is the way he has designed us, that he would be our God and we would be his what? His people. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? This morning, I don't want you to get caught up in the fall. I don't want you to continue to beat yourself up over the failure but I want you to be so caught up in the one who has done it all. Stop worrying about staying down. Stop worrying about the enemy who's, who's trying to convince you that it's over feeding you these lies, but be worried about settling for less 
because you believe that your failure defines you more than his victory. It's not over. He's not finished. He has made all things new. He is making all things new. He will make all things new. Jesus, I just pray over the people in this house today, God, that we will leave this place empowered, ready to continue to walk this journey for you, ready to declare your redemptive works, God, because you aren't done with us. And that means there's hope for the world. That means there's hope for those that are far from God that we know, our family, those that we love, our friends. Jesus, would you allow us to dust ourselves off to continue to walk this process of healing out? Lord, I know there are people in this room right now that are walking through some really challenging times. Emotionally, I just can sense there's some roller coasters that people have been on. They don't even know how to get control of their emotions. Their minds have been all over the place. Right now, Lord, I just ask that your spirit would empower them and allow them to grab a hold of those emotions and submit their thoughts to you, making them obedient to Christ. We confess those scriptures right now over them. Lord, your Holy Spirit, come through this room and empower your people. We shake off the things that we think have defined us, but Lord, we're gonna allow them to be the testimony of your redemptive graces. We praise your holy name for this. In Jesus' name, amen.